today on the Tearsheet Podcast. B2B payment is um, an emerging need around the world. And so we figured this was the right time to be able to build a platform, build it from scratch, build it on the back of research for what our bank partners need, um, and uh, take it to our bank partners. So the December announcement was a milestone for us. We didn't start in December, though. Like We've actually been piloting this product for the last couple of years in Latin America. So we're live in, I think it's five countries around the world already. We've got about 500 buyers and suppliers. So that was a very successful pilot. Um, and uh, now we're ready to go global. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. Today's guest on our show is Mohammed Badi, head of American Express's global network business. He spoke at our Power of Payments conference last year, and I asked him back on our podcast to talk about two new recent launches Amex made that I wanted you to hear more about. The first is BusinessLink, a B2B payments ecosystem that includes Amex's commercial bank partners for their customers and their suppliers. B2B payments continues to be an important theme as different players come at this from their unique angles. The second launch is a co-branded card Amex recently launched with Simon Malls that rewards in-person shopping. Remember that? As the pandemic wanes, there's an appetite for in-person shopping. This card targets a younger demographic with incentives for spending money at malls. Mohammed and I discussed these new products as well as trends in Amex's network business. Today's guest is Amex's Mohammed Badi. Thanks, Zach. I'm Mohammed Badi. I'm the president of American Express's global network business. Um, we focus on driving scale and relevance for the American Express network across uh, 135 countries and territories around the world. Great. And what are some of the levers you have about uh, expanding the network? So um, let me take a bit of a mm -hmm. step back, and I'll find my way to, to answer that question. Zach, can interrupt me at any point, obviously. Um, look, the, the MX network is core to the American Express enterprise business. We're the rails that carry tens of millions of transactions every day. We've got the lowest fraud rates in the payments industry. We drive innovation, and we'll talk about innovation, I think, as we, as we go through this conversation. Um, we connect partners, bank partners, merchants, and card members in whatever way they want to be connected to execute payments around the world. And um, we also, within my network business, have our wholly owned subsidiary and world-class, I would say, fraud prevention platform that we call the Certify. Um, the way we, to answer your question now, um, the, the, the levers is mm -hmm. um, more issuers and more acquirers around the world on the American Express network so that we have even more merchants that accept American Express um, and more Amex cards in card members' hands to spend at those merchants. And the term that we really, there's two terms that we use quite a bit within our business. One is the concept of scale and relevance, so increasing the scale and relevance of the American Express network. And then the other is vibrancy. We're looking to, in every geography, drive a vibrant network for American Express. So lots of card members showing up at lots of merchants and spending. That makes a lot of sense. So, so let's let's drill down, I guess, on the vibrancy you talked about in every geography. I just sort of double click yeah. on that. Um, sure. Let's talk about, I guess, the the scale of, of the network and and how you approach. Obviously, different geographies call for different things from Amex. So, um, maybe we can talk about you know the philosophical differences or, or and the and the practical differences in those different markets and 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 what you guys are doing to 
uh, to expand if you are in, into those markets. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll riff a little bit as, as we go through this. Um, there's, depending on the geography, payments are, is at a different stage of evolution. You've got, say, China, where um, we've, we're in a, at a point where mobile wallets, Alipay and WeChat, um, are the norm. People mm-hmm. pay with QR code. There are, say, 20 to 25 million merchants that have POS terminals, but you have so many more where you know the, the, the cost of a payment terminal is less than a penny because all you have to do is print out a QR code and, and you're set. Contrast that with some parts of Africa where um, it's still very much a cash-based society, and, or, and not just Africa, actually. There's many parts of the world where it's, you have a cash-based society, and um, cards are just starting to show up, and you've got debit cards that are in the hands of merchants, I'm oh, sorry, in the, in the hands of card members. Um, credit cards are just starting to come. Underwriting um, is still relatively new because the databases for consumers and small businesses is relatively nascent. And you got everything in the middle. That's one way to look at it. Um, the second is, um, as we think about it, um, around payment technology and payment capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take South Korea as an example. So Apple Pay um, was just approved over the weekend, I think, or late last week um, by the regulator there. And so um, Apple Pay is going to be showing up in, in Korea. And I think Apple has around 10 countries um, in the Asia-Pac region where, where, where Apple Pay is live. Contrast that to the U.S., where Apple Pay has been live for, I'm trying to think now, was it 20, the, the, the mid-20, around 2013, 2014, I think, is when Apple Pay showed up uh, mm-hmm. within the U.S. Um, and then take another dimension, take you know, all the hype around buy now, pay later. So buy now, pay later hit the U.S. and other number of other countries by storm over the last many years. Buy now, pay later has been around in places like Latin America for decades. Um, it's the, a standard way to pay, where um, it, you, the capability is integrated at the merchant terminal, and you can choose whether you want to pay four installments, twelve installments, twenty-four installments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the fun part about any network business, and in particular the American Express network business, is you get to deal with the nuances and differences of, across geographies. And every our focus in every country, it's a country-by-country strategy based on what's happening in that specific country, what the dynamics are of credit versus debit, um, what, the, what the challenges are around technology, and what expectations are of the people that live in that country. And I guess, how do you size up the opportunities at the geographical level? Uh, is, is Amex internally organized um, through local teams, or is it through product teams, like centralized product teams? Like, how, how would you how would you expand into a, a, a new geography? Yeah, so we're the classic matrix, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, as a network business, we've got geographies. We've got North America, Latin America, EMEA, Europe, Middle East, Africa, um, and then APAC. And then the orthogonal... Um, Access is product and marketing, and then um, partner solutions and integration. We've got two different teams. And so whenever we look at any geography, it is a combination of the business development and partner teams within the geography, and then the orthogonal of the product team, product marketing team, 
and then the teams that work with our partners to actually get the, the, the partners live on the network. Got it. Um, I'd love to switch gears a little bit um, and talk about some of that innovation, that innovation piece that you described and, and some of the work you've done yeah. incorporating you know, some of the leading fintechs in, into the mix. Yeah, sure. So the, the, the context here is um, there, there's, there's a couple of dimensions to the network business. You've got the core network infrastructure and technology. You've got the bank partners that um, both issue and acquire on the Amex network. And then over time, there's been um, a need um, to support fintechs as they're looking to bring their value propositions to market. And the approach we've taken as American Express is to offer our network platform to those fintechs to enable them to, to drive their innovation. Now, we're um, selective on the partners with whom we work as they come to the Amex network. And the reason is, is because we feel we have a lot to offer. It's something unique to offer in terms of our, our brand value proposition um, and the assets that we uh, make available to our partners. And so over the last, let's say, year and a half, what we've done is we've established a strong FinTech platform. Um, we've partnered with um, uh, banks to enable them to be able to bring FinTechs onto our and we've partnered with issuer processors to enable them also to build their bring fintechs on the network. And that combination of Amex as a network, issuer processors, and different banks, banks that specialize in the fintech space, that creates what I pictorially think of as a triangle, right? Three, the, the three vertices. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of that triangle are fintechs that have interesting value propositions that, that we're excited to bring to the network. Um, Zach, we're working with both established players but then also putting a fair bit of energy into more emerging fintechs as well uh, to be able to drive the right kind of innovation, innovation from um, players that can bring scale quickly and innovation from players that are experimenting in the space. And you know, the, the, the classic example of a more established player is Square. And I'll pause there for any questions on what I said so far, and then we can dive into Square if you'd like. Yeah, no, I'd, lo I'd love to dive into Square. Um, and that was the announcement around launching a, a seller's card? That's right. Yep. Um, so a new credit card for Square sellers. Um, this, this is part of the broader partnership and evolution of American Express and Square. We've been working with Square for quite a long time. Um, Square is a great partner to drive scale and relevance for American Express and the geographies in which they play. Um, they have both small and micro merchants that accept American Express cards. And as we looked at the opportunity together, we realized that there's this um, uh, untapped potential within merchants in terms of being able to put a credit card in their wallet. Um, the idea is it's, it's, it's a seller card. So Square will identify the sellers to whom they'd want to offer this card. Mm -hmm. And there'll be a set of benefits that American Express and Square will make available to these square sellers when they get our product. So how, how does American Express think about, how do you, Mohammed, think about, um, I guess, a, like, a, like Square as a partner, you know, Square is also a, a payments network and, and, you know, has its own vibrant internal ecosystem. And the, is there a tension there? How, how do you navigate through that tension? There really isn't a 
attention. It's a, it's a great question, Zach, and we, we get this a lot. Um, you know, we get this question with Square, we get this question with PayPal as well, and, and, and others. Um, these are partners for American Express. Mm-hmm. We don't, I, I don't think of Square as a network. I think of Square as an acquirer um, uh, and, or a, a payment solutions provider, which probably is the, the, the more accurate way to, to describe them. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their own ecosystem, for sure, and that ecosystem drives their business. But at the end of the day, they have um, a large number of micro merchants and small merchants and some medium-sized merchants that they work with to accept payments. And American Express is part of that portfolio of players that they accept. And so you put that together, it is um, completely consistent with our strategy. We want all merchants to accept payments, to accept American Express. And therefore, our strategies actually go hand in hand. Got it. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about this, uh, the Simon card? I thought that was pretty, I hadn't seen something like that before. Yeah, so this is actually a super fun one. Um, so let's see, let me just go back to Square for a second, just to build okay. a clear perspective. Um, to get Square to market, we worked with I2C. So that's when I talked about the triangle before, mm-hmm. I2C was the issuer processor. And let's go over to Simon. It's actually one of our other partners. It's Cardless, which is a mm-hmm. fintech that we've been working with. They're a program manager. And um, this is a digital first uh, co-brand with, with Simon Mull. Um, and the idea is, is that it was a, a easy path to market for Simon Mulls, partnering with Amex um, and Cardless to be able to bring their value proposition to market. And this is simply loyal Simon Mall shoppers using a Simon American Express card to earn valuable rewards with their shopping. And that makes a lot of sense, like in terms of trying to bring people back to retail establishments, right? To incentivize them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thought is this is the right time. Um, there, there, there was a, a, a decrease in face-to-face point of sale spending as we went mm-hmm. through the pandemic. Um, as we come out of the pandemic, the view is, is well, we, 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 we're seeing in our data where people are going back out and they're spending. E-commerce continues to grow, um, but the growth um, in, at, in face-to-face spending has actually been, been even higher. Um, and uh, being able to have a retail-focused card um, is great for us in a couple of ways. One, it, it taps the fintech ecosystem that we've developed. Second, um, just supports the overall narrative of card acceptance and coverage within retail establishments for American Express. And I guess in terms of marketing the card, I guess some of the Simon properties, you know, overlap with your target demographic. Does that make it easier to onboard new card members? Um, it does. So look, the 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 demographics we focus on are are on two different dimensions. Mm-hmm. There's the Millennials and Gen Zers who are engaging actively with rewards-based products. Um, and as American Express, we're winning in that segment. And so it's really helpful to um, have this card for them. But then there's also the one minus that population, which we're always looking to grow um, our affinity with. And um, there's different uh, demographics that, that shop. And so being able to tap those demographics where our proprietary cards, so your, your, your more traditional American Express Platinum card or Gold card, um, doesn't resonate as much. The Simon card gives a, an alternate uh, product for those uh, demographics as well. So it's a bit of a win-win for us. 
at what point did did Amex make um, a decision, I guess, to go after uh, the Gen Zers, as you described? Um, it's been a focus of ours for many years, actually. We've always had the younger population as an American Express target segment. Um, our belief is that when you capture people early, you are able to support them through um, their overall life cycle. We um, find that when we capture the younger population, their overall lifetime value is greater. Um, and as they grow, we get to grow with them. The uh, um, as Gen that was an assumption or, I made that you you targeted like sort of people a little bit older and, and wealthier. Uh, so I I had that I made that assumption yeah. without asking you about that. Well, yeah. it, 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 it's what most people think, though, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, American Express is a affluent brand, um, and the people who have our platinum card um, have typically been people who are older and wealthier, for sure. But we've, we, we actually have a lot of experience and we've always gone out of our way to capture people early as well, people for whom our brand resonates. As you look at millennials and Gen Zers, so specifically people within those demographics as, uh, with the, um, that tag, we're finding that these are populations that um, are aspiring affluent. They, um, our brand resonates well with them. We have tilted the value proposition of our products to resonate well with them. Examples, like if you take um, our proprietary cards, um, offering streaming capability, sorry, um, streaming discounts, um, mobile phone um, discounts for a period of time, um, a lot of the uh, um, travel benefits, they really work well with that population. So we've, we've tilted the brand slightly to resonate well with millennials and Gen Zers. Um, and uh, um, as we've thought about our fintech um, proposition within the network, we've found um, a similar set of behaviors where um, the products that we are bringing to market are, res- are resonating well with that population. I want to ask a little bit more about the Gen Zers. Um, you know, yeah. if, if you look at some of the data, um, at least the earlier data, I guess, before the let's call it a couple of years ago. Um, there, there was, they were their initial adopters of BNPL and, and they were, there was, there was sort of a trend that they, they weren't assuming revolving debt. It was more focused on, you know, single purchase type stuff. Um, I, I know that that's evolving. Like, h- how do you guys see their behavior? And, and, and I guess you mentioned some of these incentives, Mohammed, I guess, how, how you bring them on the streaming. Um, but are there certain ways that you have to position your, your proprietary cards to attract them that maybe you wouldn't do with other generations? Um, so, look, in terms of their underwriting performance, um, my focus is much more, I, the network business focuses much more on partnering with our um, bank partners mm-hmm. and supporting our bank partners as they then go after those segments. Um, we bring the learnings and expertise that we have um, within our issuing business, but at the end of the day, it's a decision that's by our bank partners. Mm-hmm. Um, we, from a brand perspective, th- there actually isn't a significant shift we've had to make. Um, the fact that Gen Zers um, is a significant population of them that are aspirational, um, and we have an aspirational brand that match that um, uh, match is actually really, really strong and really good. Um, in terms of the benefits. Then when we bring network cards to market, 
there's a fair bit of research that our that the our partners um, conduct. You know, we'll advise them in the back of it. At the end of the day, it's their choice in terms of what benefits they want to bring to market. Um, and they'll create a set of benefits they think will resonate best with their target population. When the target population is the Gen Zers, then it will be elements around where they spend their time, whether it is streaming, whether it is shopping, whether it is dining. Now, all of those things, older generations do as well. Mm -hmm. um, we have found through the research we conduct with our bank partners that it's a lot of it's just around the communication and communicating the benefits the right way. Um, and then from there, the value proposition speaks for itself. That's great. Same product, just different, different features, benefits. Yeah, and look, I mean, the younger population, they prioritize experiences. They prioritize travel. Mm -hmm. All elements that have been um, core to the American Express that brand proposition um, since the beginning of time. Um, but you just have to tell the story and resonates with them. Great. I'd love to also ask you about, um, I know you had an announcement in December about uh, a digital B2B payments ecosystem for the network participants. What yeah. what is that, and 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 I guess maybe you can you can take us through um, the use case there. Yeah, for sure. I'm super excited about this. So, look, commercial banking is a important partner for, I'm sorry, an important pillar for our bank partners. Um, and as a network business, we're always looking for ways to create more value for our bank partners. So we created an Amex Business Link in order to support them. So what is Amex Business Link? Um, I think of it as a B2B payments ecosystem that we mm -hmm. offer to our bank partners, issuers and acquirers, so that they can then have a superior value proposition they can bring to their business customers. And so what this is, is it's a platform um, that um, offers digital onboarding of buyers and suppliers for our bank partners. Um, it offers them lending solutions as well. So if, when a buyer is making a transaction with a supplier, um, if the uh, payment terms um, that the buyer and supplier would like or different, the bank can come in and actually offer lending. So you now have an additional revenue source for them. Uh, and then hopefully over time, it'll actually drive more commercial customers to our bank partner. Um, so that's the, what's in it for network issuers and acquirers or our bank partners. Mm -hmm. Then the end customer, the end customer value prop, which is the buyers and suppliers of that bank, um, our view is that Business Link will bring more flexibility to those businesses. They will um, be able to manage their invoices. They'll be able to manage their accounts payable or accounts receivable. Um, they'll be able to choose how to pay. They can do card transactions or non-card payments as well. So that's an important feature of Amex Business Link. They'll be able to make local cross-border transactions. They'll be able to connect seamlessly to their end ERP systems, and then they'll have the standard reporting and reconciliation as well. So that's a lot, Zach. I guess the quick, the easy summary is, as a network, we're looking to support our bank partners. Our bank partners are actively looking for solutions to bring to their commercial customers. So they can take our platform and offer it to their commercial customers. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I did. Thanks, and thank you for the for the description. Um, what was the genesis of this project? I, I hear how it sort of, you know, crosses all the T's, checks the boxes, but like, where did this, I guess philosophically, why launch this product? I understand the yeah. benefits, but is it positioning you, how does sure. it position you after this? Look, it, we're a relationship-based business, 
right? Mm -hmm. We go around the world, 135 countries and territories, and we partner with banks. And our overarching objective is to create value for them, um, create a stronger affinity to American Express, get closer mm -hmm. to their business, and be able to do more with them and for them. And Business Link is another tool in our toolkit, another product that we can take to our bank partners and say, as American Express, we are your partner. We're here to help you. And as, as we've traveled the globe, you know, we started this conversation talking about the nuances of different geographies mm -hmm. um, and how payments is done differently in different places. B2B payments is um, an emerging need around the world. And so we figured this was the right time to be able to build a platform, build it from scratch, build it on the back of research for what our bank partners need, um, and uh, take it to our bank partners. So the December announcement was a milestone for us. We didn't start in December, though. Like we've yeah, actually sure. been piloting sure. this product for the last couple of years in Latin America. So mm -hmm. we're live in, I think it's five countries around the world already. We've got about 500 buyers and suppliers. So that was a very successful pilot. Um, and uh, now we're ready to go global and hence the announcement. Yeah, it sort of feels like, I know in, in, in our coverage at Tearsheet, um, really focusing on B2B payments, streamlining them, making them easier, more visibility, like that's sort of the next stage that the industry itself is, is really focusing and drilling down on to, to, to tackle at this point. And what's your take on it, Zach? Because while people have been talking about the explosion of B2B payments for a decade, right? We've all been right, waiting for what this explosion? melting. Yeah. yeah, this melting iceberg of cash and check was going to melt and it was going to explode and it hasn't happened yet. And check what usage your... was up the last few quarters, I think. Oh, was it really? Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. better. Yeah, a couple points. So what does your crystal ball say? Like at what point... Will this promise of digitized B2B payments deliver? Do you have a view? I do. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. It has, we have been talking about this for a decade, and it, hasn't, it feels yeah. like we're just, yeah. just embarking upon this. I do think that the yeah. best success will come in vertical solutions, the embedded, mm -hmm. the embedded payment, as opposed to like sort of a, a catch-all. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. That makes sense. And then you'll, you'll see a multi-speed world across different verticals. Probably. Right. Because um, it's the workflow piece that's the most important thing to tackle in, in enterprise payments. And so, yeah, it feels like that's very much an industry-specific solution. And it'll be a country-specific one as well. So yeah, exactly. It'll be a matrix. Um, and so our, our overall objective is to play in a broad range of countries. Mm -hmm. um, you, should, you, you should expect to see Business Link going live in in different parts of the world over time. Um, your point around the verticals, we're gonna actively watch that, see if there's some verticals where the uptake is greater. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll go from there. The one other thing I should have actually said that, that you know, a key differentiator for us with our bank partners, this goes back to, we are selective, I like to say picky, um, on the partners with whom we work around the world. And so that gives us the, luxury of being more hands-on and so one of the things we're doing with our bank partners is offering hands-on training strong onboarding support strong day-to-day -day support so that our bank partner is in a stronger position to win with their buyer and supplier clients i could totally see that 
playing out and, and, you know, more tightly wedding th those relationships that they have with, with, with their customers and their own ecosystems. Uh, it, it makes total sense that American Express should be playing there. Well, so, we have time for one last question. I want to ask you, um, so yeah. given all the stuff, these were announcements, these are things in a way it's a, it's a look into, I guess, a, a backward facing uh, crystal ball. Cause these are things you've been working on for a while. Um, obviously now they're, they're public and you're, and you're moving forward with them, but I guess, what are your person as, as, as president of, of, of the network, like what are you focused on in 2023? A couple of things. Um, one is continuing to strengthen our partnerships with issuers and acquirers around the world and continuing to drive to that um, objective of vibrancy and having even more card members showing up at even more merchants around the world um, to drive scale and relevance to the American Express Network. That's one. Um, second, you'll see more from us around debit in particular. So we're launching more debit portfolios within the various countries where American Express lives. Um, third is B2B that we've been talking about. So Amex mm -hmm. Business Link, we made an announcement in December. So looking to continue to, to um, expand that part of the business. Um, and then the last is innovation. Innovation around... Um, bringing more um, fintech value propositions to market, all to deliver on where I started, scale and relevance with the American Express Network, but then also supporting fintechs as they look to innovate and allowing them to innovate with American Express. Um, and then depending on how things evolve with digital currencies, um, it's an interesting time right now for digital currencies, continuing to keep our finger on the pulse and looking for ways to innovate in that space as well. Yeah, it feels like at least at that last point, like the industry, the incumbent industry has a breather now to kind of figure out, you know, where to go in the future as opposed to sort of just being thrust into like a bull market for, you know, an asset appreciation. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, our approach has always been we're looking to partner in that space. We're mm -hmm. looking to allow innovation on the American Express network um, with our partners, mm -hmm. um, but not. Um, but sorry, but to do that in a careful and measured way. And so while, while there is a there, the, the crypto winter, if you will, um, let's see how things play out. But, you know, the beauty of being a network business is um, you can continue to partner. And as the industry evolves, we can evolve with it. And digital currencies is more than just crypto, right? There's central right. bank digital currency as well. Yeah, the whole um, and, right. And there's that too. And so as the space evolves, we're going to look to continue to partner. Our overall strategy is to establish incumbency, build relationships with players. And as the space grows, we grow with it. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But uh, to a certain extent, we don't really need a crystal ball. We just need to be good partners. And that's what we are. Awesome. Ahmed, always great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on the Tershi Podcast today. Thanks for having me back. Good to talk to you and hope to catch up soon.